Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey London. And this is Volume Up by the Tees. So, Jeffrey, our friend over at the Jenner household, you know, <laughs> the skosh in a probe. <laughs> on, it's a tiny bit. Yeah. She was reported this week to have some insensitive promotion of her new lip gloss right after her message about standing with Ukraine. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, it's a difficult time for brands, but now is maybe not the right time for full-blown promotion. Uh, read the room, you know, uh, which is an important segue into we on the Tease and the Volume Up podcast are very much aware of what's going on in the world. Scary stuff, heavy stuff. Right. Our thoughts and prayers are obviously with the people of Ukraine, hoping that the situation de-escalates quickly. And we're watching, unfortunately, just like all of you. Uh, and so we're going to keep it light for the podcast because light. there's so much stuff going on. Let's Ooh. have a little respite, some escapism. Uh, and on that note, we've got some pretty incredible news. Uh, this episode is really special and we'll talk about it in a second. But before we get there, let's cover who we talked to last week, who was also incredible. Love it. I mean, our guests are just coming in strong. So on last week's episode, we talked with self-taught creative makeup artist, Carrie Esser. Carrie dove into the world of creative makeup and body art in 2013 and is continuously experimenting through trial and error. Hard work, it pays off. And throughout the years, she's had multiple high placements in makeup competition. In fact, in 2021, she won Creative Makeup Artist of the Year at the American Influencer Award. So make sure you go back, listen to last week. Uh, also, if you want to up your TikTok game, you're going to want to hear about her passion for art. So in that realm, if you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to my friend over there, Jeffrey, <laughs> at volumeupatthetease.com. And on this week's episode, we welcome the one and only Frederick Aspiris. Master wig maker and hairstylist, Frederick Aspiris has earned his reputation as one of the beauty industry's leading artists. Five years after his move to Los Angeles, Frederick was introduced to Lady Gaga and instantly became Gaga's go-to for all things hair. Frederick has worked exclusively with Gaga since 2009, creating some of today's most memorable hairstyles, period. Frederick's work has been featured in several major publications, such as Harper's Bazaar, Elle, Allure, Luomo Vogue, Billboard, and Parade. And now Frederick is nominated for an Oscar alongside his team for House of Gucci. Frederick is the second Asian American hairstylist to be nominated for Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and we are incredibly excited to be talking with him today. You are not going to want to miss that. But before we get to the interview, there's something that we got to talk about. Uh, first up, I mean, yeah. look, we talk about this all the time on the podcast. We are beauty junkies. We're hair freaks, the whole thing. Um, we're suckers for product. And so in some exciting news, we reported about it on the tease a year ago. Target now has Ulta in store. Uh, initially, there were 100 and so. And now, recently, it has been announced that they are expanding to 250 stores, uh, which means we are really going to have Ulta, Target in lots more places, in one place. Who doesn't love that? Kelly, are you excited about the news? I love it. I mean, you know, one-stop shop, right? I can get Truly. a little bit more of my core pro products there along with my consumer beauty products. So I love to see extensions and expansion in Target. Kudos to Nick Stenson and team over at Ulta. Yeah, we love to see it. So exciting for it. them. And yeah, I just, yeah. the thing is, I would hot take never go into a Kohl's to see a Sephora. So, whereas this like is a no-brainer. It's natural. We're walking yep. by, yep. we grab the groceries. And then boom. We're going over to Charlotte Tilbury. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're keeping it light. We love the Ulta. What we also love is that uh, L'Oreal has announced a president of North America. Uh, mm -hmm. David Greenberg has been appointed to the new CEO effective immediately. And we love to see the growth on the professional side of L'Oreal. So he was, you know, recently spearheaded and accelerated the business model transformation of our beloved pro division in North America 
oversaw the growth of salon centric, which we love to spend a lot of our time mm-hmm. <laughs> accelerated growth in new channels and really kind of took the portfolio up a notch. So congratulations to David Greenberg, our new CEO of L'Oreal USA. Kudos to him. Yeah. Kudos to our editorial team too. The Tease.com, so much is going on. We are going to run through some of our favorite headlines from the Tease.com from this week. First up, all of our favorite hairstyles from the 2022 SAG Awards. Uh, so look, this is perfect because we're talking with Frederick Aspiris. Is it a surprise that Lady Gaga's hairstyle from the SAG Awards made our best list? Absolutely not. Not. Nobody it is absolutely that. not. She makes every list all the time. Exactly. <laughs> So look, one year after going entirely virtual, the Screen Actors Guild Awards returned with a bang, kicking off what's sure to be another exciting award season. Of course, we were just excited to see all of the gorgeous hair that Hollywood's biggest stars and their glam teams blessed us with on the red carpet. And this year's best actors showed up and showed out, bringing forth a solid serving of phenomenal red carpet hair. From sleek bobs to dreamy, tussled waves, the hair inspo was in abundance last night, last night when this was posted. So head to thetees.com <laughs> to see some of our favorite hairstyles from the 2022 SAG Awards. Kelly, who was your favorite? I mean, it can't be Gaga because obviously we've talked. Yeah, I mean, check, obviously. Okay. And coming in hot next was Jessica Chastain. Oh, flawless. Our friends over at Olivia Garden, also home style. Her look. So I'm going that as my number two. And my number three also coming in pretty hot is Demi Singleton. I mean, what's not to love? These I mean, these the ladies, I mean, uh-huh. yes. I, I was actually kind of surprised. Number one, yeah. that Vanessa Hudgens was there, if I'm honest. Um, I didn't know that you... Well, I mean, she's part of SAG. Uh, but her hair looked incredible. So, I mean, kudos to the team. She looks really good. Uh, Danielle Priano, claps for you, uh, killed it. Uh, honestly, like my favorite. Super sleek. All right. We love it. So there's that. Well, you mentioned Olivia Garden. They're also in the news on the tease.com because they just launched their OG brush collection in a sustainable facelift. And the brushes look really cute. Olivia Garden lovers rejoice. Your favorite brushes are getting an eco-friendly update. The beloved hair tools brand released a new special edition collection of their award-winning OG brushes that are not only great for hair, but also for the planet. Designed with respect for the environment, the Opal Brush Collection features four new brushes made from 100% recycled plastic, a change that is the first of its kind in the beauty industry. But beyond just being more sustainable, these staple brushes have also been reimagined in an eye-catching iridescent color palette that features the most alluring opal finish. For those who don't know, Olivia Garden's sustainability efforts extend way beyond their brushes. The professional hair tools brand has pledged to reduce its carbon footprint by at least 35% in 2022 alone. And we love to see that brands are being more sustainable, especially given the current situation with Ukraine and Russia and the uh-huh. most recent UN report on climate change, which is a real bummer, a real bummer. A real, uh, we're, we're keeping it light, but yeah, that's, but that's, yeah, that's, dark. Yeah. that's not great. Uh, so let's, let's just ask, uh, <laughs> Kelly, what do you want to see from brands in terms of more sustainable practices? I mean, brush manufacturing is great. Uh, we love to see recycled plastic being used. Like, what are your thoughts? What, what are you hoping for? You know, I I believe we also covered this as a little bit of a sustainability chat today. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for me, you know, back in the day, I actually was lead accredited, which is sustainability and building practices, um, a little off the topic, but there are so many basic things that we could be doing as an industry, whether it's recycling our waste, whether it's looking at tools, you know, I know that brands are working on it, but I do think it needs to be sort of pushed to the forefront a bit more, uh, also taking into consideration some of the newest reports that you mentioned. So congrats to Anne Mazza and Pierre Rignette over at Olivia Garden. They're always pushing the envelope. So that's something that we can appreciate. For sure. Speaking of pushing the envelope, <laughs> next up on the tease.com, there's an incredible article about Green Circle Salons, which is announcing the first ever industry-wide carbon neutral salon certification. Now more than ever, it is important for salons to make eco-conscious choices to help reduce our impact on the environment, literally what Kelly was just saying. Fortunately for us, organizations like Green Circle Salons are pushing for more awareness of the carbon footprint that hair services actually create and leading the way towards a more eco-friendly salon industry. The Beauty Waste Recovery Service recently just announced the first industry-wide carbon neutral certification in North America, 
And this means that in addition to helping salons recover up to 95% of their salon waste through its programs, Green Circle Salons will now be offsetting carbon emissions created by their member salons, including those that they cannot avoid generating in their day-to-day operations to create true carbon neutrality. Love to see it. Kelly, if you were a salon owner, would you want to get certified? A hundred percent. No brainer right off the top. I mean, think about (laughs) the salon services and the carbon emissions we're creating, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This can be a small incremental change, but together really pushing towards carbon neutral, climate positive. I mean, there's a lot of things that create emissions, like I mentioned, using hot water, blowouts, Mm -hmm. hot tools, turning on the lights. Mm -hmm. using electronics. So I think the more we can educate ourselves to become carbon neutral, uh, it benefits us all on all levels. Absolutely. Couldn't have put it better. As always, so much going on to tease.com. Thanks to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish the stories that salon pros and consumers care about. All right. And now the moment you've all been waiting for our interview with the incomparable Frederick Aspiris. Master wig maker and hairstylist Frederick Aspiris has earned his reputation as one of the leading artists in the beauty industry. Five years after his move to Los Angeles, Frederick was introduced to Lady Gaga and instantly became Gaga's go-to for all things hair. Frederick has worked exclusively with Gaga since 2009, creating some of today's most memorable hair looks. Frederick's work has been featured in several major publications such as Harper's Bazaar, Elle, Allure, Luomo Vogue, Billboard, and Parade. We are thrilled to have him on the Volume Up podcast. Welcome, Frederick. How are you today? Hey, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really great. Um, I'm still excited to, uh, I'm still kind of not in some disbelief that I'm an Oscar nominated artist, but uh, here I am talking to you. So, <laughs> uh, well, we are going to get into the Oscars in a minute. Don't you worry, because it is okay. a huge deal. Congratulations. Thank you. But before we get there, let's just talk a little bit about your start in the industry. How did you get into beauty? Uh, so, I got into it and really I kind of grew up around it. Uh, my mother was is was a hairdresser and it had a hair salon. My sister was a child model. I was just surrounded by this business and growing up in San Francisco, you know, it was very open to art and culture and to the life and the streets and underculture. So it was just probably, it was just, I grew up, you know, wanting to be part of that escapism. I also, mm. became, I, you know, I dabbled into acting. I just loved creative arts and everything that had to do with all that. So I got into the industry working to my mom's salon when I was 13 years old and working, uh, doing wet sets on old ladies and, you know, talking to them and, and just chilling out in the salon. And just my mom was like, you know, you kind of do this, you do this really well. I'm like, did you, how do you, how do you know all this? I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, just played, I started doing her hair and I, she's like, how did you know how to cut hair? I was like, I just watched. And uh, before you know it, I was doing her makeup and I was doing my sisters and I was doing my girlfriends. And, and I was like, okay, I guess I know how to do this. But, you know, at the same time, it was like, uh, I was closeted gay. And I was like, I didn't want people to know I was gay. And this is the early 90s. And wasn't like, you know, you can go on social media and be like, oh, mm-hmm. there are people like me that can like support me. And like, they like what I look like, like what I do. And like, no one was there to do that. There was no like group uh, people that did that. So you just literally were like, okay, well, I know how to do it. I'm very ashamed to do this, but that didn't stop me. I thought, you know, Hey, I love doing this. This is what I, mm. I, I, I I'm going to keep doing it. Um, I went to college and for acting and I thought that that was going to be my journey, but sometimes in life, you just have to try everything out. You know, I did. And that's what I did. I was an actor. I was a a makeup artist. I did hair. I did all of that. And I was like, I like, I like one of these. So um, (laughs) it's literally, you know, the thing is that there is no path, one path to getting where you need to go to. You have to try out everything. When I set out to go into this business, I told myself, I need to know just how the fashion people work. So I studied fashion, how the makeup was going to do. So I studied how to do makeup, how the photographers, I studied lighting and photography. You have to know everything about it. 
because there was no YouTube and there was none of that, <laughs> I, I did it. I, there was no, there was nothing. So I was like, okay, I have to learn everything. So I did. And uh, building all my references and storing it, watching movies, and and got me into this industry. Literally got me into this industry just by the things I knew. And that's what set me apart from everyone else in this industry is that I just walked into this industry with all that, all that knowledge, all of everything I had to do. But then I fell on my face and like, I moved to Los Angeles from San Francisco uh-huh. after giving up a job as a um, retail makeup. And I went all the way to the top because I thought that was the route to go to become a makeup artist. Mind mm-hmm. you, there is no famous makeup artists at the time, but Kevin Aquan, there was no celebrity hairdressers, nope. no celebrity makeup artists. So you had to like, I'm like, what? My mom's like, what is a celebrity hair? What, is, what are you talking about? You can't <laughs> do that. You're going to go and become a, like, you're going to go to school and become, take over my business, be a hairdresser mm-hmm. salon. I'm like, mom, I don't want to work in a salon and I don't want to do this because this is not what I want to do. I need to, I wanted to change my path. Like we grew mm. up really, really poor, like really poor. So, my mom's business was her baby. Business was her baby. And she wanted me to take over because as an, a refugee of Vietnam, this was her business. She thought that this is the way to go in this country. You have to security. have business yep. and security. Yeah. And I said, no, I, 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 that's your dream, your passion, mom. I want mm. to do something that's going to do. said, well, okay, well, then I'm not going to help you pay for anything. And you're going to do it on your own because I have money. I was like, well, I guess I have to then. So I got a job doing retail and then that job led me to retail doing makeup. And I went from makeup counter to makeup counter all the way to the top as a global trainer for NARS. And right when I got that job, I declined the offer. And I was like, this is a fork in the road, right? And at that time I was uh, doing free photo shoots. Everything was free. Mm. You're lucky if you got a paid photo job and I was like, I'm going to move to LA and become something else. I wanted to do fashion and film, either New York or LA. So I ended up moving to LA because I had a friend in LA that did film. And that's how I moved to LA with $2,000, which doesn't sound like, it sounds like a lot, but really wasn't when you have to pay rent in Los Angeles. That goes fast. (laughs) It was so crazy. And I thought I was, I thought I made it. I was like, I'm in LA. I'm a star. I'm not going to, I'm going to be nope that reality went like I, I was broke i had no money i didn't i quit the six figure paying job as a retail whatever global trade for nars and i was still doing hair makeup at that time there was a lot of hair and makeup people in the industry so it was really rare to someone who could do hair and makeup really well mm-hmm. and then i ended up living couch to couch couches to couches trying to you know find a job doing stuff. And uh, I went from that to to a hotel for $90 a week in downtown LA because mm. I was so ashamed that I failed. And that's what happens in life, right? Failure. And uh, I learned to push harder. Uh, and it was really difficult. I tell you, I gave up. I was crying every day and that looking outside of that window of that hotel in downtown LA and wishing that one day I could like live in those expensive lofts. And I was like, oh man, I'm not gonna, it's not gonna happen. But you know what? I love what I do. I'm still doing makeup, I'm still doing hair. And one day, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I, reality set in, I was like, okay, well, I'm never gonna be like successful. But I love doing makeup, and I love doing hair, and I'm always gonna do it. And that's all, that's all it, it's gonna matter. So $20 in my pocket, I was like, <laughs> working behind the counter because I had to get a job again. I was like, shit. Um, I had to pull my tail between my legs and be like, I need a job guys. And so they thank God Nars like, okay, we have some freelance work two days a week that could pay some rent, live in a studio with a friend on a futon mattress for three years. <laughs> I mean, from being almost homeless to like that. And then literally, um, about two years of that. And then literally over like one day I got a call from Kent Belden, who's now my agent, still my agent after what, 20 years. And um, he knew of my work, saw some of my work. He said, Hey, you know how to do wigs and hair, right? I was like, yeah, extensions. 
And that time Paris Hilton was coming back mm-hmm. and she was starting her new brand and rebranding herself and said, Hey, she needs some money to work on extensions because extensions wasn't a lot of people were doing a lot of good extensions back then. And I said, okay, sure. So I walked in and she was the most delightful, sweetest person I've ever met. Uh, she was the most generous. I still talk to her because I literally, she changed the, di- the trajectory of my, my career, my life. Mm-hmm. And became really close. So we worked, ended up working three and a half years together, did all her franchises, like the, the BFF franchise all around the world. I was traveling every single day. I went from $20 to like having all this money in my pocket. Mm. Finally, and over, over like four days, I was like, I went from doing free photo shoots, doing all that, getting told that I'll never work in this industry ever again. Mm by a close friend of mine and taking my book away. Yeah, it was bad. I was like, but I never gave up on my talent. That's the problem. You can have all that happen to you. One thing you can't take away is my talent. It's mm. like integrity. And that's what happened. I just left with zero, went to work with her. And what kept me working with her is that she, her willingness to believe in me as an artist and trust me, I think led me back to why I wanted to do this is that when I used to sit in in my mom's hair salon and watch her work on things, work on clients, is that they trust her and they really built this beautiful relationship with her. And she taught me the lesson of really having compassion for the people that you touch or work with Mm -hmm. and understanding them because what we do is just not make people pretty. What we do is help them through a lot of things in their lives. And, and we're part of their, 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 your, your hair and your make your face has a lot of energy, you know, it's a lot of emotions that's connected to that. And um, I remember talking to Paris one day and she was just going through something really hard and difficult. And we just had, you know, one way we could turn things around is just have fun with our day, you know, and just like, make her look cool and fat, fabulous. And she would walk out there looking confident. And I was just like, this is so fun. This is what I love to do. This is what I love doing. And it just translated. And then three and a half years of that, we took a break and I got a call again from Kent and then just laying on my bed, like I'm exhausted coming back from Japan. And <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what do you want, Kent? And he's like, what do you hey, want? Oh. I know you're taking a break, right? But... If you don't want to do Paris, you know, because you know how hard we work every single day. I mean, she is, Paris was a hard, hard worker. She worked yep. everything. But he's like, hey, there's this, uh, a new artist by the name of Lady Gaga. She wants somebody to do her theater tour called the Fame Monster Tour, theater tour. It was really small, two months stint, and you're done. You can go back to Paris, traveling all over. I said, sure, okay, this is fun. I'm a musician, I, you know. Um, but she just wants, uh, I think just wants hair. I'm like, but I do hair and makeup. He's like, well, maybe you'll do makeup. But now looking back at it, <laughs> all the hair that we created with Gaga, it has been, it's, thank God I've just do hair with her because mm-hmm. it's so much. And um, when I first met her, she was just the most sweetest, like completely different persona, but the most, I think the most sweetest young girl that was like, oh my gosh, she's just cute. And then, you know, fast forward 2022, here we are, uh, what, 13, 14 years later, and we have not stopped again. And uh, thank God you have it. Like, like thousands, thousands of looks, like mind blowing stuff that has totally revolutionized the beauty space, to be clear. Like, we cannot understate the importance of your collaboration. It is so epic um you you are more than welcome i speak for all of us in our community i think when when i say that i mean my god talk to us about the inspo how does this come together frederick like the stuff that you two have done together is mind blowing extensions Uh, wigs color like just wherever you want to start let's talk about it my god well i think the thing is that i am one to always kind of i've always been out of the box with what I wear, what I look like. Ever since I was a little kid, I was really odd. I was gay. I didn't tell anybody, but I wore, I dressed up like I was 25 and was like listening to jazz. You ever seen Clueless and Christian? That was me (laughs) in high school. 
I think they're, they're like, uh, uh, sure, sure. Oh, no, but it was like, I have the hair. I was pretending to be like cool. And so I was always conceptualizing my looks, mm. right? Um, working with her, it's always a story we are telling. She is one of, of the most gifted storytellers of our time through her songwriting, through her performances, through her humanitarian work. She tells a story and she tells other people's story through her eyes and through her heart. And we became more than just work, you know, uh, partners. We became family because we shared our, our feelings of our pain, of our struggles. And with that, it led us to where we are today. Um, when we are, when you're with somebody with that, so that long and every single day, you have to be able to connect in a certain degree where it's just more about just the facade of fashion. It just has to be something that is meaningful. Um, when we come up with looks like, uh, carpet looks like, you know, a corset braid, it's, it's something that it has to do with trust. You know, in the beginning, it was like, I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, what led me up to being able to have somebody like her trust, an artist that uh, doesn't look straight, it's like, doesn't follow the norm and just is like really on your own lane, is that I, when I was like, I told you, I was really young, I, all I did was just fill my brain with culture, with my friends I had growing up, with books, magazines. I used to sit on the floor in the Virgin Record Store and read all the magazines and all UK Vogue, uh, everything you could think of, Visionaire, you know, all of that. I used to soak it all up because I couldn't afford to buy the magazines. And I was like, okay. So here I am with her and she's like, okay, I want something different for my tour. And uh, I was like, oh, I love a challenge. So I just literally, she's like, here's an assignment. Now I'll come up with something. And then, you know what my brain is thinking, you know my what I'm doing. This is my story. It's not like, I want this, which sometimes we do see that, but it's like, she allows you to breathe in your craft and allows you to take risks on your own. And then when you present it to her, it becomes hers. It's a story that is tangible because I create the hair and I put it on her and it becomes part of her story. She knows that I thought about the whole narrative of what she was going to do. And that's um, that's like how we come up with things. I mean, my, one of the things, how we do it. And most of the time she's just like, I need this. <laughs> but, not that me, but that she's not mean at all. She's actually the most sweetest person ever, but um yeah, that's how we do that. Talk to us about some of your favorite books, because, I mean, again, I've, it is thousands. There are so many incredible. What is your favorite? I mean, like, what is <laughs> I don't know I, my, my God. I, I, like, I have so many. I, 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 need, I need to hear about um, it from you. It doesn't matter what I have to okay, say. Yeah, you, I mean, you've got the craftsman, the, the, the skill. Like, I just want to hear, like, what is it that you've loved that you think is like, there's like five looks. These are the ones. Um, well, the first thing we did was the yellow wig because it was just uh, taking pop art and bringing it in a blender, uh, mixing it up, shaking it, dissecting it, slapping it around, you know, it making it otherworldly, however you're thinking. And then it became a wig Ugh. and we coined it with a dirty root because it represented, again, when I was listening to, you don't just, when I, when I create something, I don't just want, I listen mm -hmm. to the artist. I'll listen to what she's going to talk about and doesn't have, she doesn't say, I guess this is what we're going to do. No, it's, it's listening to the story. I listened to her story and talked about, talks about when she was, you know, back in the day, her first coming out, she was just starting up in New York city. She had, you know, blonde, she had to dye her hair, blonde, bleach her hair, blonde, and it turned yellow. And that was the end of her Stephanie days. Now became Lady Gaga and how, how sad that was for her. When we did the tour, I thought it would be a great idea to do a bad yellow blonde wig. 
but make it Lichtenstein, <laughs> but you know, make it pop art. That's mm-hmm. where my mind thinks. You see, I connect pop culture world with underground world with her story, and connecting those dots together, I created. Well, I created the piss yellow wig. I was going to say, let's just call it what it is. The piss Piss yellow yellow is so iconic. It's so good. I'm glad you brought it up because it's one of my favorites. Well, she first was like, I hid it from her because, again, I was like, oh, God, I I doubt myself all the time. I just argue with you all the time. But I hid it from her. I put it in like a little bag. I was like, "Mm, let me hide this from her. And then I was like, uh, she's like, what's that? I was like, "Uh, it's something I was working on. I I literally knew back. I knew so, like, I, I still do. I still make, when we you see a wig, I, I literally make 10 of them, right? Mm. I test out all these things. I don't like this. I don't like it. Really, I, you should see my office. My, it's just a workshop of like ideas. We'd love and to then, take a tour. That's a separate oh, conversation. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. that's crazy. But what, <laughs> then she was like, this is crazy. And then I said, well, I told her the story of why. She's like, well, this is perfect because exactly what my narrative. And then if you saw this tour, she was like in New York City and she was like, you know, uh, she was like, rub that letter of grease and down. And she was like singing it down. It was just iconic. But then she said, why don't you cut it, make it more Maryland? I was like, great, I'll cut it. And that's how it became that. And then two, three, two, three years on tour with that. And then went to Born This Way. And then... That was one of them. Uh, Carpet-wise, I always love the Grammys. My favorite one as a hairdresser was the corset braid. Again, I did a corset braid, French tail braid to the back of her head, and she wore this giant Armani black gown to the mm-hmm. to when she was doing the you know, Million Reasons performance at the Grammys. And for me, again, listening to her, I said, okay, well, she was talking about the constraints of women wearing corsets and how painful and why do we have to conform our body to such high standards of physicality? I said, so I just thought, why don't I corporate doing a corset? on her head and uh, showed it to her. And she's like, whoa, what the fuck is that? I was like, uh, I just thought that because you said something about corsets and that you don't like wearing corsets and you're just going to free yourself. You're going to be a free woman. And you're going to just like not wear these like what fucking corsets that really piss, like it's just so tight. And it's like every woman have to, for the turn of centuries, women were confined to wearing corsets. It's just like, a, it's like being locked up. And um, it, it just trying again, narrative in my story when I create wigs I create with with that narrative and I did that that was one of my other ones um uh <laughs> House of Gucci uh a perm what a segue uh, Frederick that was beautiful <laughs> it's like oh you're on a podcast or something House of Gucci let's talk about it I mean an Oscar nomination for your work for this film uh which is legendary at this point I mean her performance oh. aside the look like, my God, she is Patrizia. So talk to us about House of Gucci, please. Um, well, House of Gucci, um, again, it was, again, another uh, challenge. The before the challenge for me personally, I, I lost my mom six months before we started filming the movie. Oh. Um, the one that taught me how to do hair and the one that taught me how to do all this stuff. And um uh it was hard i didn't want to do hair anymore because i didn't want to do this it's painful to do hair again and uh gaga was like you don't need to give up on yourself you don't need to give up because your mom would have been really proud of you and you need to do this for your mother and i just was like and most of all i need a wig so i was like (laughs) Um, so I locked myself in my house for six months before we left for Rome and I made 15 wigs and I worked my grief out through each and every single one of those wigs. Mm -hmm. I did six months of research. I did into a mind of an Italian woman that lived in the seventies, eighties and nineties in Italy. Um, and I thought I need to go further with this and I need to make it as real as possible because Patricia is not famous and she doesn't have photos everywhere. And what am I going to do? And the director and the producers were like, this is a huge undertaking that you have to do. This is three decades of hairstyles and multiple wigs and very expensive. 
And are you going to be able to do this? And then he says, you know, we just prefer to do two eggs, make it easy for us to tell a story so that it doesn't become, I know, right? Uh, um, but I understand it was sure. because uh, it was, you know, it was hard. It was an undertaking that people, uh, and at a time of COVID, I couldn't even hire wig make uh, a lot of people to help me make wigs, um, assistants to color. I had to color each of these wigs perfectly Oof. to kind of go with the the, the young Patricia to the older, digital older, and, and just so many details to it. It became, um, Every day, a, a workshop of my house of just like, does this make sense to the story? Does this make sense? Literally, page by page of the script, she was in 95% of this whole script. Age by page, I was just like, this is a hairstyle. I took fo- found photos. I, I found research why she had to wear this hairstyle. What scene, what scene numbers is she going to wear this hairstyle? What photos work with this hairstyle? Compile it on a piece of paper. Put the pictures, put the description, put the how I was going to do it. And then I even stuck in exact techniques from that era to make it look as real as from that era because I needed to have that same texture, same bounce. It couldn't look like somebody did it with curling irons. It had to look mm-hmm. real because I grew up in Salam. My mom would kill me if I just cheated and put curlers in. No, I did a wet set. I teased it. I put French lacing in it, uh, colored it to make like a virgin blonde because she didn't have money. I mean, you'd name it. Like mm. in my head, my mindset was like, she didn't have money. She couldn't be able to uh, get her hair done in a salon, blah, 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 blah. To the point where she uh, went to 80s when she became rich. My inspirations changed. All that compiled into, I did page by page of the book, created a 400-page directory of the looks with Sarah Tanner, who did the makeup, compiled it and made a 400-page book so it's concise, had my 15 wigs all made in a bag, in my suitcase. I was on the plane, ventilating and working on it, like talking about ideas. God was like, you're insane. And I was like, but listen, when we get there, Ridley's going to expect that I have nothing. And then when I get there, I'm going to have everything ready. And she's like, well, damn. All right, yeah, because you're the one who challenged me. She said, I don't want to look in the screen and see Lady Gaga on it at all. I'm like, well, then you shall. That shall be done. And I was like, how the hell am I going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you did it. I mean, but um, that's that's the honest truth. You, you fifty-four did it. looks, fifty-four hairstyles and costumes changes in one character for this movie. It was a lot. So it was a lot, and you've been recognized for it. I mean, let's talk about that. So, an Academy Award nomination and a BAFTA nomination. Let's not shade the Brits either. I oh, mean, no, this is no, huge. This is huge. incredible. Congratulations for, to you. Yeah, I this mean. Is, uh, well, congratulations to the whole team. Uh, we did a lot of work. I think I could put so much work in it. She deserves a lot of recognition. Uh, every everything she's she's got, um, she's deserved. And I'm so honored to be part of this journey with her. And I'm so honored that she she trusted me to do a movie because I'm not mm-hmm. I, I don't do a lot of films with her. So we I mean I did Stars Born, but this is my second film with her. And so still huge movie with most respected yes. Ridley yep. Scott. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm nominated for a, a me, a person who had like had 20 bucks, came in with nothing and get with a dream, and it's like never thought I would be doing this. And here I am, you know an Oscar nominee and not just mm-hmm. an Oscar nominee. I'm the second Asian American to ever be nominated and the first Asian hairdresser to be nominated ever um, in the history of Oscars, which is wild. I, I don't understand. Um, but just uh, uh, the way I, I, I am and the way we grew up and the way people around me, it's, it was be a disservice of me to not, give, amplify, amplify the voices and share the stories of all uh, of, of our Asian American community, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so I am more than proud. When I, I heard my name that morning, I was like, I, I was the last one to be called, you know, to Hasaguchi. I was just like posted it up because I thought that this is something that needs, people need to be inspired by because... I, I just was like, oh, and I'm never going to, this is not going to happen. I just, I'm glad, I'm just happy that I even got made it to shortlist um, because it took so much work to get, get to that point. And I was like, and so the last person, last movie they called was House of Gucci. And I cried for a good hour. 
Um, and I thought about everything. I thought about why I did this movie and why I pushed myself through this is because I needed to continue being who I am and honoring my mom's story. And this turned out to be my love letter to her. Um, and so she's proud and I'm proud to be part of this. And so hopefully I'll take it home. <laughs> well, we are absolutely hoping that that is the case. Um, I'm sure that without knowing her, uh, that she would be incredibly proud of me. And you've got a lot to be proud of. Um, congratulations on your success to date. And we're, we're hoping you're going to be taking both trophies home um, because of this work. It's incredible, truly. Um, Frederick, there's no good way to transition. What's next? What I mean, like, you've done it all. What is there anything left to do? Like, what challenges do you have uh, left for yourself? I mean... Well, it's always a challenge. Life is going to be challenging. Let's tell you, tell me that we have. Um, that I don't dictate my my journey. I just sure. let it be. Okay. Don't force yourself that. I, I I don't know what's going to be next, but I do know that I will always be doing hair and makeup, um, and I will always be doing uh, uh, representing my heritage and i would always be doing that for regards to with gaga we have our vegas show coming up again in april congrats and, i'm um, trying to get ticks. who knows <laughs> hey i know somebody um <laughs> but you never know what's gonna happen this year and i can't say Okay. All right. Well, we will leave it at that. We are going to do our quick takes. That is an incredibly pregnant pause. We'd love to see it. Uh, our quick takes before we wrap. Uh, so these are the questions that we ask of all of our guests. It's a good way to wind down from the interview, which can be a little bit heavy. Uh, yeah. The first question is bar soap or body wash. Which is it for you, Frederick? Uh, body wash, but I do both. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, there's no wrong answer here. Uh, what are you streaming? Do you have time to stream anything? Are you streaming stuff? I stream a lot of pop music, gay, gay dance music, Chromatica, <laughs> Chromatica yes. remix. I was the, I the, mean, the remix album. Ooh, every day. Heavy hitters. Hello. I mean, that's, I, I'm sorry. I love Chromatica, but that remix, if that doesn't get played somewhere soon, I'm going to, if I don't get out and dance, soon, <laughs> I'm sure everybody feels that. You know, well, maybe on Oscar the, night. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, that's why I stream. I stream the Chromatica a lot because I, I work out to that and I dance to that a lot. I love, I love, I love big vocals. So I'm a Mariah Carey Whitney fan. So huge lamb. <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> but, I love that. But um, Little yeah. Monster and Lamb. Um, oh, yeah, right. We don't discriminate on this podcast. No. Incredible. All right. Um, what is one hair product that you cannot live without? I mean, you've got access to everything. So this is going to well, be what everybody's tuning in for. I do. And I, I recently went blonde because I looked at myself and I was depressed and I looked terrible. And I said, oh, bleach it. I, I bleached that fucker yep. out. Sorry. Yes. Excuse me. No, no. You but can, you can like, trust on this podcast. Be allowed. I need, <laughs> I, you know what? I needed to change. And sometimes in life, when you feel sad, you feel you need something to change in your life. Do something to your hair. It grows mm -hmm. back, for God's sakes. And so I do that. And I, I, I go to my trust, my go-to hair bleach from Joico, my blonde life. If you bleached your hair, you would look good as a blonde, actually. You, I have <laughs> gone blonde. I've been known to go blonde. So I'm oh, taking notes. So yeah, you're using Joico to live. Uh, yep. Joico, but listen, I keep it <laughs> clean. You know, blonde is a hard color to keep uh, from turning yellow or changing. So I got to leave on the bleach forever. Oh, yeah, but Blonde Life is the key. That's how I make Gaga's hair white. It is okay. everything. It doesn't damage hair, but it makes it so clean and white. I love it. Um, I've got a everything. baby mullet happening here that you can't oh, see. Oh, really? I see. Will it? Will <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You're doing the will mullet. It? I was going to say, you, I'm just hoping are that Are you in the... New York? No, are I'm in New LA. York? Oh, okay. Mullets are back, and everyone in the East Coast is mulleting. I used I to can't stop all the time. I mean, I love <laughs> it was. So I might be bleaching it out now. Um, all right. So Joyco, Blonde Life, anything blonde else? Blonde Life, everything. Uh, House Labs eyebrow pencil, because, you know, these brows need to look on fleet. And that's why I do every morning. I feel, guys, get into your eyebrows. In. They change the way your eyes look, straight, gay, whatever they do. Don't tweeze them, thick brows. 
but a little eyebrow pencil. My favorite is that thin. I know house, I'm plugging house labs, but I don't give a damn because I got it for free. And it is the bomb. It's thin. It looks really natural. I don't, I don't like to look like I have makeup on. I like to wear sure. makeup. Believe it or not. Sure. Um, I like to care of my skin, so I wear a lot of sunscreen. I do super goop, um, unseen sunscreen because you know some people don't like oily looking skin. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Again, I don't like like makeupy makeup look on my skin. I know that's a look, but I come from a different breed. I I I like to look like painted, but not painted. <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But so I wear this unseen sunscreen by super good because it doesn't feel like nothing on my face. So I love that. Um, and it's super, super, it's super sunny in LA. You got to protect that skin because they you know mama ain't young anymore. I feel it. But, yeah. <laughs> Aging so joke. All right. Last quick take question. Yeah. What is your advice for those who want to make it to the top of the beauty industry? Be kind to every person you meet. I was going to say something like, you know, I don't know, that has to do with work. I mean, honestly, we're all talented. You don't, mm. everybody is talented. Don't compare yourself to everybody. Don't ever, I don't, I, if I had compared myself to every, every single person that made it before me and they're young and I was like older, than everybody, I was like, I would never make it. I would have given up. Don't compare yourself to everybody. But most of all, every single person I've met on the way, on the journey, the reason why I got called from Canada, or I'm sure I was nice to some client I did for free. Be nice. Be nice to everyone. I'm talking to the craft service person, to the PAs, to because the PAs end up becoming what? Producers. Uh -huh. I mean, you know what I mean? Yep. That's the key to this business. This industry is built from people working from the ground up. And you never know. I was probably, I was treated badly by so many people, but now I'm like, people look at me like, oh, it's Frederick Asperger. And you never know. I, I remember things. And people are like, I remember you. Remember me? Uh, you work here in commission? <laughs> um, no, that, that be nice to people. That's really be kind to every single person that you work with. Uh, and, and, and even if you're assisting, you know, mm. and be proud of it. You're assisting. There was no assistant work for me, but be proud of it. That's it. <laughs> Couldn't get better. All right. Last, last, last question. Uh, you talked about at the top of the podcast, not necessarily coming up with the community, um, sort of being in a position of feeling ashamed. And, and that's changed now. Thankfully, things are getting better uh, unless you're in Florida, apparently. Um, but Talk to us a little bit about representation. So who are other folks that our audience ought to be knowledgeable of, know, follow, uh, interact with from your perspective? Um, other people in this industry, Tim Boucheron, he did um, the Stream Girls. He is uh, before I me. Um, he was a makeup artist, and I remember following his career when I was really coming terms, uh, coming to LA and doing all this stuff. And I, I remember Tim Boucheron did Jenna Jackson, and I was like, oh, I want to be a, I want to do that. And and um, even to this day, yeah, yeah, just when I got my Oscar nom, he he texts me and he said, "Congratulations!" And I was like, Tim, and he said, "I I want you to." Uh, know that I'm rooting for you and I'm so proud of you that you chose to shine light on our community and uh, uh, you don't have I don't have to but I chose to because I feel that it's more for me I want that for other kids uh, Tim Boucheron um, and um, Kazu who's the first uh, I don't know his last name but Kazu um, who was the first Oscar winner, Asian American Oscar winner, Japanese Asian American. And he is one of the most talented prosthetics, special effects. Um, he did um, uh, the movie Charlize Theron and won an Oscar for it. And he is such a role model because he, again, did the work, paid his dues, and he puts it all on the table for people to learn and to grow from. And those are two people that I look up to a lot. And of course, Lady Gaga, because I'm, so, I, besides just me being, me working for her for this long, um, her point of view, her heart, 
and what she does for people and as me as a human being, his being as, as a gay man, I, you know, we, I owe a lot to her because she not only just um, paved, she not only shined light on so many voices that need to be, to be heard today, she allowed me to shine in a time where I wasn't able to carry on. Um, and I, and think she does that for so many people, uh, rather gay, straight, where, uh, by whatever, um, you know, she does it for so many people and she continues to do it. And I don't understand. I do understand now because for her, that's important. And why do we do this? Why do we push ourselves to the brink of, of exhaustion or, or mm-hmm. to put out work of, or everything entertainment is to hopefully inspire somebody, not just in terms of careers, but in life to do something kind for people, to do something great for me. Putting light on the Asian American community is part of me being kind, is part of me being responsible, part of me being proud of who I am. And I think that's part of why we've we've worked well, well together for all these years. Well, thank you so much for your time, Frederick. This has been Honest to God, absolute pleasure, a total honor. We so, so appreciate your openness and your willingness to share and talking about some of these things that you've created over the years. Um, You know, keep on shining, doing your thing. We are pulling for you at the Oscars and the BAFTAs. You're going to come home with a damn win. Um, If you don't, there's going to be more Oscars in the future. We just know it. Um, Thank you, Jeff. uh, Thank you so much to everyone's listening. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me today. All right, Jeff. Whew, I got to take a second after that one. Like I need a, I need more than a second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is no surprise that he has earned his reputation as one of the beauty industry's leading artists, right? So not only the work with Lady Gaga, but how he's inspiring others is, whew, we'd love to see it here. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, and so thankful uh, that he was as open as he was uh, in terms of yeah. talking about his journey. I mean, you don't really often hear that, especially from like the top of the top. Uh, so, you know, shout out to Frederick for his honesty. We loved having him on the podcast. Hope that he returns and we wish him well. We want him to bring home the Oscar. And bring you know what? Home. Yeah, exactly. We're manifesting that shit for him. <laughs> He's going to get the Oscar. That's like, and if we have to do a, a correction later, like so be it. But, but we hope. We're, he's we're hopeful. In our books already but exactly. i mean the oscar is not gonna hurt let's be real <laughs> <laughs> all right be sure to hit subscribe rate and review and follow us on instagram facebook twitter youtube and tiktok at read the tease and send in questions to volume up at the tease.com volume up is a tease media production this episode was produced by monica hickey and madeline hickey brian daly is our editor and audio engineer thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode